0: I'd like to suggest to you that Jesus is humble, but he's not modest. Jesus is humble, but not modest. In those days, if you look at uh, the history books and you look at the high priest, the high priest had a special robe that he would wear at special occasions. Day of Atonement, Passover, other occasions in the temple. Very special festivals. The, the robe would come out for the high priest. A high priest is just a, um, a, a priest who's higher than the others, the main priest. And he was given uh, this robe, and the robe was really intricate, you can read all about it in exodus thirty nine or Josephus, the Jewish historian, also tells us what that robe was like. it was blue for a start, a long blue robe, and it was seamless. It was a really special piece of linen that was uh, brought in to uh, for the to be built upon and on the Bottom where these golden bells that were attached to the fringe, along with these pomegranates. The bells, the little bells, uh, represented thunder and the pomegranates lightning. It was a, a, a robe of, of power, essentially. It had this sash around the, the, the chest area. And the sash was made out of gold and scarlet and purple and blue, the same blue that was in the temple dividing a holy place from the rest of the temple, the Holy of Holies and the veil, which was all blue, same blue that the high priest would wear. And on the shoulders were these two big gemstones. They were onyx and the the. Tribes of Israel were inscribed on these massive gemstones, these jewels. And the tribes of Israel were all all put on, one by one, onto these shoulders. Six on one shoulder, six on the other. And then there was an apron and a chest area here. And there were 12 different gemstones all on the front. Representing the 12 tribes of Israel. There was sapphire and emerald. There were amethyst, crystalline, beryl. All these different gemstones. Jasper, beautiful gemstones. All there representing. And on each of the gemstones was written a tribe of Israel. And the high priest had his hat on and it was got a blue ribbon on it and at the top there was a crown and the crown had the name of the holy God written on it. Can you just imagine in your mind's eye a little bit this robe? If anyone would like to draw it out for me this week and send a picture to me, I'd love to see it. The, in your mind's eye, just imagine the high priest being given the robe to put on and going into the temple in all the majesty Because for the people of Israel, they didn't have a king. They're not allowed a king. The kings have been defeated. They've been taken on over by the Romans. The Romans were occupying them. And so the high priest was the leader of the people of Israel. All done up in this ornate robe, representing the power of God, the power of God to the people and representing the people to God. And it was an interesting thing, because if you read the history books, the Romans, at the time when they were occupying Israel, they took hold of the robe and they only let the people of Israel, have their robe just for those festivals, and then they took the robe back again. They held onto the robe. And it's, it's said in the uh, history books that the discussion of the robes, the high priest robes, even went up to the emperors of uh, the Roman emperors and then uh, one time uh, when uh, Vitellius the legate uh, overseer of Syria visited Jerusalem in AD 36 he asked what could he do for the people given that he'd had such a kind reception from the Jewish people and the Jewish people asked to have the high priestly robes under their own authority well, it's an amazing piece of history if you think about it. All that power and prestige which is bestowed upon the high priest. But the high priest was only able to do what the Romans allowed him to do. And he was reporting to them. And actually they allowed him to be the high priest. He, he was under the control of the Romans. And it's in this context, this context, that Jesus comes into Jerusalem. He comes into Jerusalem and he's humble, but he's not modest. He's humble, but he's not modest. The text puts it like this, of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. It says that they brought it to Jesus, the cult, and they threw their cloaks over it and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And when the disciples drew near, to the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives the whole crowd of people began to joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord can you just imagine that a little bit there's all the power in Jerusalem, there's all the soldiers in Jerusalem, there's all the, high, the priests in Jerusalem, there's all the guards and the, the officials and the scribes in Jerusalem. And then there's the Mount of Olives, which is next to Jerusalem. And in that, on that Mount of Olives, the disciples are, are with Jesus, and he, start, he gets on this colt, this little donkey, And he starts to come in. And as he does that, they take the palm branches down, which is a sign of a king coming. They take their cloaks off as a way of honoring Jesus. And as he comes in on that colt, there's this uh, amazing crowd shouting and proclaiming, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And it's really an echo from uh, Zechariah. Zechariah 9.9, which is a prophecy about when the king is going to come, who's going to set the people free, people free from their oppression. And it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. Zechariah 9.9, see your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. And in in Psalm 118, another one about the Messiah, it says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it's marvellous in our eyes. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So it's basically Jesus is humble getting on that donkey, but the context is not at all modest. And he gets on that donkey and he goes in with everyone shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the king. And this is the thing that a lot of people in our society don't really understand about Jesus because they understand that Jesus was a a prophet or a good person or a a nice teacher. But people in our society do not then... Think about the way that Jesus portrayed himself, which was definitely as a king, as a king coming. Because when he's coming in and and the people are saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The Pharisees, obviously, who are the, the priests, Pharisees find this difficult. And they say to Jesus, Rabbi, stop them. Stop the disciples saying that. Stop them saying that about you. This is blasphemous. Stop them. But Jesus turns to them and he says, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I mean, Jesus is saying something really, really profound here. He's saying, the power that I have, the significance that I have, the authority that I have, it goes way beyond these people who are declaring my praise. If they stop, the stones themselves will cry out. Creation will cry out. You cannot stop these people Because something else will rise up and praise me. The whole of creation is here for me. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? He's humble, but he's definitely not modest. He's saying that there's a new regime which has come to take the place of the Pharisees and the high priest and the teachers of the law. There's a new regime that has come to take the place of the Romans. And it's more of a cosmic power that is coming to bear in this world. Jesus is humble, but he's definitely not modest. And what we see with Jesus after this episode, he goes into the temple. And as he goes into the temple, he sees that the temple has become a place where they're exchanging money and they're selling doves. And uh, there's there's, uh, practices there which are not good. And and Jesus has this uh, righteous, holy discontent, and he takes the tables and he overthrows them. He's gone into the very temple where the high priest is the one who's in charge, and he's overthrown the tables. And what's Jesus uh, saying by that action? Who's in charge of the temple? And Jesus says, you've turned my house of prayer into a den of thieves my house of prayer dedicated to the one God I'm now rearranging the furniture in my house I have come to put the rightful place the rightful person in the rightful place And then through the week, and we've got Holy Week coming up uh, this week, and I encourage you to read a little bit of the, the story of the last week of Jesus' life before he was crucified this week, and maybe read a little bit each day. But on the Thursday, he gets arrested. He, they come to take him. Again, he's in the Mount of Olives. And they take him, and where do they take him for his trial? They, they take him to the high priest's house. It's at night. And they have a little court session there. They're trying to, and this is a complicated little bit of history, because they would like to take Jesus and put him to death because of the statements he's making, but they haven't got the authority because the Romans are in charge. But they don't really want to give their authority over to the Romans, but they can't do it themselves. And they try and put Jesus in a place where he's done something, he's said something which is clearly worthy of putting him to death by their blasphemous Laws and the high priests asked him, This is Mark 14, are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus is humble but he's not modest because he's just quoted from Daniel. Again, a messianic scripture all about the coming of the Son of Man. And the high priest sees what Jesus has done and he tears his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asks. You've heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned him as worthy of death. And then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him. They struck him with their fists and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. Sometimes you hear it said about humility. What is humility? Humility is the way that you re- relate to others. Jesus served the others. He washed his disciples' feet. He got down on his knees. He went on a donkey, a symbol of loneliness. Jesus allowed himself to be beaten and ridic- ridiculed and whipped and betrayed, he was humble. But he was not modest. Because Jesus knew the power that he had, and the power that was come to bear. And the message of Palm Sunday is that all the authority of Rome, and all the power of Rome, all the authority of the high priests, and all the power of the high priests, was nothing in comparison to the authority of, And the power of Jesus, which was just about to come to bear. And we today have a choice, uh, each of us. Because we've got a choice as to say, what is the power we are allowing to work in our lives? We've been singing about the power of Jesus breaking every chain just now. We've got a daily choice in our lives Yes, Jesus calls us to be humble and to serve others, but not to be modest about the power of Jesus. And every day in our lives, we've got an opportunity where we can say yes to the power of Jesus, which is beyond any other power. And the disciples knew that and they realized that and it, became, it gradually came to dawn on them. So that when Paul writes a letter to the church in Galatians, people who'd never met Jesus, mostly. But then when he started to describe what his letter was about, he starts the letter to the Galatians saying, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from our present age. Jesus wasn't going to rescue the people of Israel from the Romans in a way that he thought they thought he was going to, he wasn't going to do what they thought. Instead, he was bringing in a completely new regime, a completely new power, one that would rescue them, but it would be from sin and death and despair. It would rescue them from the present evil age. And so this morning we're going to share communion now and the children have come back in. you children, you're so welcome here and the youth. And we're going to share communion together. And communion is an act of... It's an act of trust. It's an act of defiance because when we come and we take... The wine and we take the bread we're saying we're trusting in not the powers that are presented in our world many of which are attractive to us but we're trusting our lives to the power of Jesus which is greater than any other power and as we take the wafer which will be dipped into the wine and we take it into our bodies we're saying yes to Jesus and I'd like to invite you as an act of worship to join in today and also we will be giving out palm crosses which are palm crosses they're made from palms as a symbol made into the cross of the significance of the saving power of Jesus through the cross but they're taking the palms which were laid down and then made into a cross and we're inviting you to take those home you might put them on your fridge or a wall or have them hang around and as you this week as you look at the palm crosses that you remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus and he died and he came because he loves you and he wants to live in you and for you to live for him